0: Well, oh, good morning, and happy new year to you guys. Isn't it good to be back together? Um, lots of things happened over Christmas, but some of us like the routine of, of ordinary life as well, so it's good to be back. Can I have a, the first slide up there, please, Simon? Thanks. And uh, what a number, eh? 2023. What a, what a strange and weird number. Who among us ever thought that we would see such a number? I didn't. When we were growing up in the whatever decade it was, 70s, 80s, 60s, that's just like a science fiction number, isn't it, out there that was just way ahead and who, knew, who, knew, who thought we would ever be there and yet here we are and isn't God good that we are uh, being brought through another year with whatever uh, good, whatever bad, whatever happened to us in that time, we are here we, with the health that we do have, with the people around us that we do have and we give thanks to God for that. Well, I want to start, though, by going back a little bit in time today. And uh, who knows who this guy is? It's Steve Jobs, isn't it? And uh, the founder of Apple uh, died uh, some years ago. And Steve Jobs um, was a visionary, a founder of what is today the most valuable uh, company in the world, valued at around $2 trillion, valued at more than most countries uh, in the world, in terms of GDP. Um, a visionary, a founder, and uh, most of their, what we call hockey stick growth, came from 2007, when they uh, invented, when they created one device, the iPhone. Whatever you think about that, it was the first true smartphone uh, that, uh, that we knew of, uh, a device that's become, every day to, to us, uh, every everyday used to us, or, or, or most of us, ninety percent of people in this country now have a smartphone, and um, we refer to our smartphones on average. We look at them about a hundred times a day don 't look at them now <laughs> i 've given you that idea, but get idea cast that idea out of your mind. Uh, around one hundred times a day, we look at our phones, and uh, I remember uh, working in this industry. In 2006, 2007, going to conferences and events and hearing about new phones, uh, the big company at the time was Nokia, and uh, we used to, I remember people joking, I remember one lady in particular joking at at a conference in 2006, and sort of berating the industry and saying, you know, guys, what do we need to do? Wait for Apple to make a phone, and lots of people laughed. They couldn't make a phone. They have no, no legitimacy. They have no intellectual property. They don't have the legacy. They don't have the skilled engineers that we have. And yet they did it. They produced a game changer that set a new, a new direction for a new generation. It, they created new industries where they, weren't, where they weren't there before, such as app stores or streaming music. And uh, they created consumer needs that consumers didn't even know they had before. That's true, isn't it? Things that we need now. We didn't know we needed them then. They created the need. Uh, Jobs and Apple did this because they had a vision, a vision to fundamentally disrupt an industry. And Steve Jobs was driven to focus on a single task at the expense of other projects. So they deprioritized. They said, we're not going to do these other things. They were doing organizers, electronic organizers. They said, we're not doing that. They were doing uh, MP3 players, iPods. They said, "Well, let's not do that anymore. Let's, not, let's focus on this one thing." Jobs was the ultimate visionary, the ultimate leader um, who, bouncing back, who bounced back from defeat multiple times, and yet, and yet, when Steve Jobs was, was diagnosed with cancer and uh, pancreatic cancer and told it was incurable, he said he had regrets. He died in 2011 after a liver transplant, and he said he regretted two things when he was interviewed. He said he regretted the fact that he hadn't paid more attention to his health. He'd been so driven by by what he thought was important, what, what was important to him. And the second thing he said was he regretted not spending enough time with his kids for them to really know him. Steve Jobs said, I wanted my kids to know me. I wasn't always there for them. I wanted them to understand what I did. I wanted them to understand what I did. Now, there's nothing wrong with Steve Jobs' vision uh, and goal for Apple. But there are other areas and other dimensions of life where priorities can lie aren't there. And sometimes it takes a life-changing event for us to realize those other priorities. It's interesting, isn't it, that post-COVID, which was a major life event for all of us, that a lot of people have uh, reassessed priorities in life. And some people are working less. A lot of people are working more from home. And there's what's been called uh, the great resignation. Post-COVID, they say around 40% of people, 40% of people are looking for new work, having reassessed what they do. Sometimes we find that the priorities that we had, that the, ho- that the hopes that we had, are suddenly overtaken by something new. So what are our hopes, our priorities for 2023, for this new space-age-sounding year? I don't just mean um, New Year's resolutions. You may have those. That's great. I don't have any. I mean, what are we focusing on in life, in our lives And how do these priorities line up with God's priorities for us? Is it possible, is it possible that we can spend our life chasing worthwhile goals only to discover there was something that was more important, even more important than that? Let's look uh, uh, firstly at that reading um, that George read out for us which answers a question, which is, how did Jesus prioritize? How did he prioritize his time with conflicting goals? Jesus was arguably one of the busiest people who ever lived. Hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people, would be flocking to see him, knocking on his door. The crowds followed him everywhere. So what did he do when he was conflicted with lots of requests? Let me just read that passage again that George read to us. It's from Mark chapter 1. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they said, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. To the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus had a mission, a task, literally, to save the world in three years. What a project, right? Save the world, you've got three years to do it. People like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos over decades, want to change the world. Jesus had to save it, and he had three years to do it. And isn't it interesting that sometimes in order to concentrate on a goal, Jesus had to think about what he was not going to do, I'm not what, what I'm not going to do. He made a decision in that passage and other passages not to heal people. He could have spent all his time meeting people's needs as they came to him and healing them. And it would have been incredibly worthwhile. It would have made him incredibly popular. And with popularity comes power, of course. But he had a priority that caused him to turn away from the needs of the people around him. To some, it would have looked like neglect. All the people are looking for you, the disciples exclaimed. They want you. Come and see them. Talk to them. Heal them. But imagine Jesus taking time out to pray and then people knocking on the door. Jesus knowing he could help them, but saying, we're moving on. There's something else to do. He had a goal. He had to be in specific places at specific times. And ultimately, he had to be in Jerusalem at Passover, where the events of Easter would unfold. And prayer, interestingly, was the key tool that Jesus used and more than 70 times in the Gospels, uh, they record Jesus either speaking or modeling prayer, often at the expense of seeing people. Here's another passage, which is um, Luke 5:16. Uh, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So to summarize, Jesus realized that doing good works may not be the same as doing God's work. Jesus, Jesus modeled that doing good works may not be the same as doing God's work. So what about us that in this new year of 2023, for us, what might be the difference between doing good work or God's work? I'm going to follow, um, I'm going to bring back, sorry, our, uh, our vision as a church. And there's really our vision, just, I know some of you are new here today, you're visitors, and you may be watching online uh, just as a one-off. So we have, as a church, had a vision in 2017, and we reassessed that vision post-COVID in the last year, and we felt that although there were many strands and elements of that vision, there were two things that God was calling us back to. Things that we felt we'd lost over COVID. Ground that we felt we'd lost over COVID. And they are simply rediscovering our confidence and join the gospel. And rediscovering church as family. Rediscovering our confidence and join the gospel. And rediscovering a church as family. Or, as we say even more simply, reconnecting with God, reconnecting with each other that we felt that we'd lost a lot of ground over COVID, and these are two things. We, before we go on to other projects, or even continue various projects, all worthwhile, important projects, that God was calling us back to two basic things, basic principles. It's not rocket science, is it? Really? I mean, you might think, looking at those, well, actually, surely that's what churches do, isn't it? That um, if we just carry on doing the things of church... Those things will happen by themselves, won't they? Well, maybe, but maybe not. Actually, I think when we discuss priorities, often the hardest thing to do is not to decide what you're going to prioritize. I think that's easy. say, that's important, that's important, that's important. The hardest thing is to decide what you are not going to prioritize, what you are going to deprioritize. The hardest thing in life sometimes is to decide what you're not going to do. <clears throat> Jesus had to make the difficult decision not to heal people in order to travel to, up to a different town, a different place. I think in all areas of our lives, um, that's something that we have to do. When I, I used to run a team in my last company, technology company, we used to set our team goals at six monthly intervals. So in January, and then again in July, and we'd come up, what are the six or seven things that we want to achieve in the next six months? And we'd easily come up with really good, worthwhile goals. We're going to launch this new solution into the mobile market. We're going to create a thought leadership event, a conference around this big theme that's new and everybody's talking about. We'd easily come up with six or seven goals. But then, I I had to say, that's great, but guys... We can only do about three things really well. If we want to do any of these well, we can only do about three. So now let's have the discussion, what are we not going to do as a team? What are we going to let go of? I'd much rather people say, that event, that one thing you did was brilliant. How did you do that? It was outstanding, rather than everybody being slightly satisfied. But nobody bowled over. So we had to decide, what are we not going to achieve? And I think if you speak or write, if you have that experience, often the hardest thing is what are you not going to say? What are you going to leave out in order that what remains shines out? What will we leave out in order that what remains shines out? And just to give you uh, uh, some examples of that, or just to earth that, if you're here at LBC, or if you're at other churches, these will be probably ring true for you as well. There are many, church, many projects we have in church, all of which are important, all of which are important. Examples, you know, home groups, that's a priority, surely. Finishing the building, finishing the kitchen, surely that's a priority. What about what else can we do with our user groups, the people in the week who use this building? That's a priority. Uh, our prayer life, surely that's incredibly important. What about our social life? That has to be a priority if we're reconnecting. What about developing our online ministry for people at home? That's a priority. Supporting our organizations and mission uh, fields and missionaries that we're connected with. How can that not be a priority? Across all our age groups, children and youth, they're all priorities. But as a church, it's easy to be in maintenance mode, isn't it, sometimes, and just do things because we've always done them. And sometimes we have to rethink things. If they're all priorities... Then none of them's a priority. That has to be the case, doesn't it? If we say we're going to focus on all of them, then we don't have a focus. It's easy to say all things are important, but that's the same as saying nothing's important. Because all these words are relative. You can only have something that's important if there are other things that are less important. It's just a logical conclusion of that statement. So, what we're doing, this is not an excuse to, to step off. Uh, t- take our foot off the pedal or, or to be lazy or inefficient and just let everything go. It's a call to discern our, what priorities God's calling us to. And we believe, as a leadership, as a church, this is what God wants us to, to do in these next months. And our Sunday morning messages from now till March will focus on these, uh, these two priorities, these two goals. We hope our home groups, if you're in a home group, if you're not, let me know. Uh, We hope our home groups will follow this as a series as well. But then let me speak speak a little bit about each of these two, each time asking the question, well, what does it mean to say, well, what we're we're not going to do? What does that actually mean? What could it mean? Firstly, reconnecting with God. Reconnecting with God, um, and notwithstanding as well, what I said about Steve Jobs, one of his regrets was, not being there for his family. That might be a priority for you as well in 2023. So what will you not do in order to enable that? But let me talk about reconnecting with God. What will we do, what will we not do to make sure that happens? Reconnecting with God ultimately is an individual experience, isn't it? Only you and God know about it. As a church, we can encourage it, we can teach, we can develop programs together, but in the end, it's between you and God. So how is your relationship with God today? How is your relationship with God today? One obvious thing that we can do, and and it's easy uh, for this to fall away, is to spend a daily time with God it's something that we know we should do and um, it's, it's, it's easy to think about, but it's not so easy to do, is it? And over weeks and months, it can be eroded, that time, that personal time. And I'm just going to talk about that very briefly because and, and, um, it's, 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 it's the obvious one. And I, there's loads of resources out there, Bible reading resources, prayer resources, worship resources. I'm only going to mention one, which is called this, some of you, uh, Lectio 365, it's called Lectio 365, it's an app. And I know a handful of you already use this because we've talked about it. It's an app on uh, Apple or, or, or Android, uh, on any phone you've got. It's uh, a, an ancient f- formula which is called Lectio divina, reading the passage twice. It's got prayers in there. It's about 10 minutes in the morning, perhaps 8, or eight to 10 minutes, And if you want to, there's a five-minute version in the evening. Um, It's free. You can download it. And if you don't have something today that you're using to spend time with God in prayer and in Bible reading, I would recommend you try this. Just one thing. But as I said, that's the easy bit, isn't it? Saying, let's prioritize that. That's the easy bit. Let's add this to our list of priorities. But remember, if we say everything is a priority, then nothing is a priority. So let me ask you a different question, rather than how's your relationship with God? A different question, which is what might you stop doing? What might you stop doing in order to spend time with God? Because you can't do everything and just keep adding to the list. If we do that, we end up feeling a failure, don't we? We keep creating things to do. So what might you stop doing? Jesus decided on those days that he was going to stop healing people. An incredible decision, really. Imagine the people out there needing that. But if we can can make room by moving other things to one side, then it becomes possible to have priorities. So what might we stop doing? Here's just some things that I threw out there. I don't know if they apply to you. Perhaps not logging on to your work email after a certain time, after 7 p.m. That's something I need to say to myself to stop doing in order to spend a better time with God. Perhaps not watching Netflix or Amazon for one or two evenings a week. I'm just not going to do that. Or late night TV. Perhaps not doing that housework that actually could wait that's a popular one, <laughs> perhaps not doing some housework, which could wait just to say, I'm going to spend that time, that whatever it is, perhaps one hour a week with God instead, or doing less of this pastime or that, or also not just staying at home when we could actually come to be part of something here, a gathering or a prayer meeting. The question is, what could you do less in order to spend, in order to connect with God more? What could you do less in order to connect with God more? It's a question, perhaps the one question I want you to go away, to, to leave from here thinking about. What could you do less in order to connect with God more? So that's reconnecting with God. And then remember the uh, second priority, as a church we feel is reconnecting with each other. So let me talk about that for a couple of minutes. The question is, how can we better model church as a family, as a place where we belong together, not just on Sunday mornings, saying good mornings, but actually reconnecting with each other, carrying one another's burdens, engaging with each other at other times during the week. How can we enable that? Well, there are some ideas that um, I've put before uh, the leadership and we're thinking about as a leadership team. Um, They involve things like perhaps we could Uh, perhaps we should actually there already is in the the schedule a week of prayer at the end of January that's the time we can connect with each other as well as God there are things like perhaps we should look again at at a day away at a weekend away before COVID we were going to have a weekend away and never actually happened we should perhaps think about our home groups more and we've already talked in the past weeks about actually do you belong to a small group in this church Roy is here I'm here today if you're not in a home group let us know but there are things that we could do as a church to help us reconnect, more social events, perhaps meals together. Um, that will all take efforts and require help from, uh, from all of you. But there are things we could do. With everything else, then, remember the question we're asking is, what should we not do? With everything else, we should always ask, whenever we're going to start something as church or do something, we should always ask the question... How does this directly contribute? How does this this agenda item, this task, this project, this group, how does it directly contribute to one of those goals immediately and directly? Immediately and directly. And that means we have to have patience on some areas of church which may have to be on hold for a period of time. I don't know what those are yet. So, what can we do? What can you do to be better connected with God? and as a church to be better connected with each other, to meet these two goals. It will take effort, and it will take patience. So to finish then, back to that idea of Jesus, how that there may be a difference between doing good works and God's work. One day, Jesus went to the house of his friends, really good friends. He knew them well. There was three, all in in the same family, Uh, two brothers and a sister, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And they lived in a, in a small village called Bethany. It's only a couple of hours' walk from Jerusalem, wasn't far. And Jesus, by then, he'd been their friend for some years, but he had become very famous. And he was going to their house, and uh, there was loads of work to do to get the house ready for Jesus. And typically, the two ladies took it on themselves, Mary and Martha, to get the house ready. Get the house ready, get the food ready. There was loads to do. Jesus finally arrived with his disciples and there was still work to do. It wasn't finished. There was cleaning to do. There was food to be made. Martha carried on flying around the house doing all the work, things that needed to be be done. But Mary decided things aren't ready but Jesus is here now. He's here. I'm going to sit in his presence and listen to him. Martha rightly got angry about it she said, she actually came to Jesus and said, Lord, is it right that I'm doing all this work and my sister isn't doing anything? Tell her to help me. And Jesus looked up and he knew what needed to be done. And it did need to be done. But he said, right now, right now, Mary, your sister has chosen the right thing to do. The right thing to do. God's work instead of good works. Sometimes even good works need to be placed aside in order for us to focus on what God wants us to do. It's not about being lazy or inefficient. We can easily use that as an excuse. It's about discerning what is God calling us to right now. Let me pray for us as we finish. Heavenly Father, we thank you again, Lord, for 2022, Lord, for all the good days and all the good things that happened in those days, Lord. And for the good that we have around us today, Lord. The families that we do have. The health that we do have. As we look forward into this next year, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to um, see, Lord. To think carefully. What is it, Lord, that you would have us put to one side? Are there things in our lives, in our church, in our personal lives. That need to be just placed to one side. Good as they are. So that we can spend better time reconnecting with you. Reconnecting with one another.